Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello, here we are again with Ayers on the Road, and we've been on the road and in the lake this week. We've been on the road and in the boat and uh, with the grandkids. How's that for excitement? And uh, you may get a little added bonus today of a soundtrack of the most piercing three-year-old scream ever known to mankind. (laughs) (laughs) We've told her not to do it, but we're not sure we're going to be successful. We are actually tending our three darling six, four, and two-year-olds while their parents have gone to Latvia, of all things. Now, why would anyone go to Latvia? Well, their mom served a mission for the LDS Church there 10 years ago and has never been back. So, And, of course, our three, son, our, of course, our son Noah has never been. And so <clears throat> they thought that since they had such willing grandparents, They might as well just take off for 10 days and leave the kids. We thought we were going to have all four of them, including a nursing baby, but uh, that got undecided at the last minute, somewhat to our dismay, but somewhat to our relief. (laughs) Absolutely, and I was not going to be nursing the baby, but (laughs) it was going to be... (laughs) Just to to clarify. Um, wow, we're back into parenting. I mean, we've uh, we've obviously had our grandchildren around us during the summer. We're all together. But it's a different story when the parents are gone and you are totally in charge, which I love because that's when you really get to know your grandchildren. But I'll tell you what, at the end of the day, we're kind of tired. We kind of look at each other and say, <laughs> man, I'm glad we did this when we were young. <laughs> So if we had if we had a way to vote, Linda, it'd be really fun right now to do a little public opinion poll among our listeners, and they'd have two options. One, it would be better to raise children when we are older because we have so much more wisdom and know so much more about parenting. Option number two, thank goodness I raised them when I was young and had energy. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. And there's a little truth. There's actually a little truth to both of those. And yeah. I really, I really would suggest here. Here's a, here's some advice for you grandparents out there. Of course, you want to babysit your grandkids, and what you really want is to have a few days sometime when the parents are gone, because then you have long enough to whip them into shape. Just kidding. You have long enough to really get to know them in a different sort of atmosphere than when the parents are there. Let's face it, let's be honest, Linda, when when we're doing our grandparenting in the sight and sound of the parents, we're a little, uh, are, we ti- are we intimidated or are we just being cautious that we don't overstep our bounds? I think we're very cautious, but at the same time, we know that the parents will take care of it. You know, if we don't, they just turn it over to them and they can take care of the discipline. But you have to remember, Richard, as you're talking, you're talking to a lot of grandparents who are taking care of grandchildren two or three days a week because they live around the corner and the moms work and, and or maybe more than that. And so it is a, a very different situation for every grandparent. But in our well, case, and and but what, but I think the thing that's the same, the thing, the constant in all of it, and you're right, honey. There are so many different configurations from sort of taking care of them every day to only seeing them once or twice a year, 
but but exactly. in any case, whatever it is, there really needs to be some good, solid communication between parent and grandparent. And I don't mean just arguing about how to discipline the kids while the kids are there. It really should be a nice dinner somewhere where you can just say, "What? What are?" Uh, Hey, honey, what are your goals with this child, and how can I help? That's the grandparent speaking. And by the time you have a really good talk, maybe you can do a tag team match and actually keep up with the little beggars. (laughs) Well, if if your children are like ours, um, they're very sensitive about their parenting, and, and the best thing you can do is that one sentence that Richard just said, what can we do to help? I mean, you have to say even that at just the right time <laughs> because, you know, if you're just going out to dinner and uh, suddenly say, what can we do to help, they're going to think, well, what's wrong? What have we done wrong? What's going on? You know, so it is really a, a kind of a delicate subject, but at the same time, I think grandparents really can teach things to children that parents can't because they're just enough removed that um, it's just a little bit easier coming from an outside voice. Yeah, that's exactly right. But, you know, there is no, I mean, we all like to joke about it. The jokes are so profuse about how much better grandparenting is, right? Like the bumper sticker that says, if I'd known how fun grandparenting was, I'd have done it first or... Or, you know, there's two wonderful moments with grandkids when, when they first walk in the door and when you see the little taillights of the parents' car as they finally take them away. And, and you know, we laugh about it. But the fact is, there is something quite magical about having little children around. For one thing, you notice more, you see more, you, you have a state of wonder that can only be engendered by the young and aware and sensitive eyes of children. It's just, it's an amazing thing. In fact, honestly, Linda, again, I I probably shouldn't say this because to each his own, but to me, one of the saddest places on earth is, is, you know, and we've been in a few of them, not to live there, but just to visit. It's it's the senior-only community. There's no kids. And it's almost like the life has been sucked out. I, am, I, am I a little too strong on that? Well, yes. I mean, I'm sure they go see grandchildren and grandchildren come to see them. But it is there's a, a certain delight about having little children around. And, in fact, I was going to say, we sure have laughed a lot more this week than normal. Um, we've gotten just a little bit irritated more often than normal. But it is really fun because, for example, we have a six-year-old, McKay, who this morning he came in and, and got in bed with us. I mean, and that's another thing. They get up so early. He came in about six. They sure do. We've tried and, uh, everything. We've tried keeping them up. We've tried, you know, not having them have naps. They still get up at six every morning. Yeah, and actually our kids are teaching us, Mom, that doesn't work. If you put them in bed later, they get up earlier. And, and, you know, that didn't seem to work that way with our kids, but somehow this generation, that is the way it works. But anyway, what I was going to say is that McKay came in and jumped in bed with us and get warm, and and he turned over to me and said, have I mentioned that my tooth has kind of cracked a little bit on one side because his tooth is loose? And... Um, he is just, he's a killer. Have I mentioned? Uh, and I said, honey, no, you haven't mentioned that. Let me let me see. He says, no, no, you can only touch it with one finger. <laughs> oh, they're because just, they're so just funny. I'm, I'm, I'm sure, 
you know, I, I don't know if grandparents are more this way than parents, but it's like you wish you had a you had your iPhone and you were filming every minute because you you, you can't recreate some of these moments. The 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 other two we've got is a is a little blondie, a little gal about to turn four named Lila and her younger brother Cubby, and they um. They're about equal to each other because little Cubby's a sturdy little fellow, and, and he doesn't take any guff from Lila. So they're they're each teasing each other about half the time, but they are so funny. The other day, uh, we had them down by a little stream, and and uh, we we're just I was playing with them outside, and that little Cubby just kind of nudged Lila, and she fell right in the stream. It was just a little stream, it's like four inches deep, but she was mad as a hornet. And she basically said, uh, in fact, exactly what she said was, Grandfather, I think now you should throw Cubby in the stream. And I said, do you really think we should do that, Lila? And she said, well, maybe not if he says he's sorry and really means it. (laughs) And so little Cubby, who's no dummy, he's two, but he gets what's going on. So he said, I'm sorry, Lila. And... um, then a little later, we're walking up the hill, and, and Lila says to me, Grandfather, if he hadn't said he was sorry, you would have thrown him in the stream, huh? And I, <laughs> I'm i just looking at her, and she says, and left him there. <laughs> and left him there, right? <laughs> and left him there, right? Information that you would leave him there. <laughs> Oh my goodness! They are so much fun, though. They're so cute. This little Lila has Rapunzel hair. I don't think it's ever been cut, and it's absolutely gorgeous blonde. And Tangled is a really good name for her because (laughs) that hair is everywhere. But in fact, are we we going to brush? Do we have to brush that out before her parents get back, Linda? Or do you think they'll do it? No, I think we better do it. I got a plan on that. So. But anyway, it really has been an eye-opener because, you know, we have these kids and and the grandchildren come to visit and we are just about to have a reunion. In two weeks, all 41 of our kids are going to show up here. Well, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Not all 41 of us. That's us, oh, yeah. our kids, their, their spouses, and the grandkids. We don't want to, we don't want to, like, go overboard here. <laughs> No. But that is a lot of folks. That's a lot of warm 41 bodies. Kids. 41. <laughs> we do not have 41 kids. But we do have 41 bodies now, and it is just wild craziness. Everybody takes turns cooking, and um, we have one family that's always in charge of the reunion, and we'll talk more about that when we get to it. But, but really, it's totally different to have those kids totally under your care for a week. And actually, honey, it's only a week. I know it seems like 10 days. But it really has only been a week. <laughs> but yeah, but we we're not be, done yet. We still got a couple more days. I know, but then that will be a week. So Whew. we uh, will be glad to actually turn them back over to their parents when they get here. Even though we're going to miss them like crazy, and they'll be home for a week and then come back. So I guess we'll be okay. Now I, I think this this business of family reunions, extended families having reunions, is quite a it's quite a remarkable thing, and frankly, it doesn't happen as profusely in many parts of the world as it does here. Uh, I think maybe Utah and Idaho and the, the Intermountain area, partly because of larger families, maybe partly because of the Mormon Church, 
there are some enormous and interesting family reunions going on. They're almost an institution. And it, it's fascinating to us how different families go about it. And um, it doesn't take a lot of money to have a great reunion. I mean, it may take some funds to get people together because some of our families are pretty spread out. But um, the benefits of it are enormous, I think. I think that... Uh, you know, it's one thing to see various relatives and members of the family one-on-one now and again, and those are great times. You know, there's nothing like one-on-one conversations with people that we love, but but getting everyone together, usually you can count on a couple of things. One is chaos, and the other one is remarkable little moments of love and, and tenderness and feeling and And probably the third thing you can count on is when you leave, there's a little stronger bond than than you had when you first came. So we've got to take a little break, but when we come back from the break, we'll talk about some of the ideas that appeal to us in holding family reunions. And we're back. We are excited to talk a little bit more about family reunions because... This is the biggest biggest event of the year for us. And uh, well, it is for it is for a lot of people. And some summer's coming on. I, I'll bet you ninety percent of family reunions happen in July and August. Now, there, sometimes people try to get together at Christmas, obviously. But the real reunion. How how would you define a real family reunion, Linda? I mean, just if someone says, "What do you mean by a family reunion?" How how would you describe the real the real deal. Well, the word speaks for itself. You re- reunite everybody in your family. So um, it really is exciting and interesting. And I know there are some families that uh, have brothers and sisters that don't get along very well. And so it means something a little bit different to them. And it's a little more difficult to do. But by and large, it's just reuniting families with a common bond and a lot of uh, common baggage, you know. They've all been through the same same things. And uh, actually at our family reunions, some of the sayings that we used to say, like when they said wasn't life isn't fair, I always said, um, get used to it because, oh, that isn't fair. <laughs> I'd say get used to it because life isn't fair. And I was just reading the other day, <laughs> one of the kids reminded us that dad, when... When he, when the teenagers asked to do something that he really didn't agree with, he would say, "Well, I, I guess you got to do it, but you'll be sorry in the morning." And <laughs> "you'll be sorry in the morning" has gotten to be one of our family, um, you know, mantras because it's just hilarious. And sometimes they were sorry in the morning, and sometimes they weren't. But um, well, it is so but fun I mean, to that, that is that. You know, you point out, as you point out, one of the things that happens in reunions is a lot of funny things, a lot of inside jokes, a lot of, uh, you know, recall of funny moments and so on that went on. And that is, that's a good reason to get together. But I think what I, what I want to say, what, what's interesting to me, Linda, is what a wide spectrum you have when you get talking about family reunions. I mean, first of all, there's a great variety economically. You'll see some families who may be able to afford it might go on a cruise or something but far more common 
I think, is like a camping reunion. You know, you, everybody brings a tent and everybody brings a, a meal for one night and you stay for a long weekend or something. I mean, very. Uh, it's not important how elaborate a family reunion is. What's important is that everyone gets together and that there's time for both collective sort of group discussions and for individual one-on-one sort of catch-ups. And then another spectrum that's pretty wide is is how structured it is. You know, we we had one um, really wonderful family in our church for a little while who, uh, I mean, their their family reunion was like a general conference of the LDS church. The, the patriarch, the father of the family, had assigned each of the children to give a, a talk and given them a topic and and, uh, you know, everyone was supposed to get together for uh, a couple of hours each evening after the kids were to bed and, and listen to these presentations. And I'm not, I'm not critical of that. Bless his heart. If he could pull that off, think how much they all learned, especially the ones presenting to the others. And, and so it ranges from that all the way to no structure at all. Hey, let's just get together and eat. Maybe we'll camp a little, maybe we'll hike a little, maybe we'll go in a boat if we have a lake. No structure at all. I think that for us, we've been trying for many years, don't you think, Linda, to find the happy medium somewhere between those two? Yeah, we have. In fact, you should know that Richard does love structured meetings. He loves that, and he loves instructing his children as to what to do. So after the first but couple I, but of I, years... But to my credit, I've given up. <laughs> have long meetings. They've said, Dad, we love you, but we really, we have so much to catch up on. I mean, not that we don't want to have a meeting, one meeting um, where we really talk about our feelings and talk about what we're doing and really, you know, connect with people. But um, one is enough. And... You're really good about that, honey. You got the message, and you have one meeting that you're kind of in charge of, and then other than that, we're done. And it's just it's a three-and-a-half-day thing for us. We're lucky. In fact, we have a couple that are only going to be here for 24 hours this year, but it's just a catch as catch can. I mean, we do the best we can to get everybody together and give them enough notice to let them know that they're coming. So a mom did... Well, let me, let me before year. you go on, let me say one thing about that... Uh, that whole this is a dilemma for a lot of grandparents, both grandfathers and grandmothers, and it's kind of a dilemma for the for the children too, and for the grandchildren because there are a lot of uh, grandparents who feel sort of compelled. Let's be honest to give some advice at reunions and to sort of um, express what they think is important. And we had a couple of fairly awkward years in a transition where I still was sort of doing that as I would have when the kids were still living at home. I mean, they were still under my management. I could still instruct them, blah, blah, blah. And that wasn't working very well. And and we, and we it sort of got to where, look, you know, if we want advice, we'll ask for it. And that was not a good solution because um, it ignored two things. Number one... <laughs> I'm I'm compelled to give advice sometimes, and if I don't do it, it's like um, throttling me. I mean, it's like I, I you know I can't I can't function. And the kids finally realized that, and at the same time, I finally realized that 
they really probably didn't need most of the advice I gave them. And so we made a pact. I think we might have mentioned this one other time in passing on the show, but the pact was very simple. They agreed with me that I could give whatever advice I wanted, anytime I wanted, and that they wouldn't be offended by it. And in turn, I agreed that I wouldn't be offended if they said thank you very much and didn't follow the advice. <laughs> and it's worked out pretty well since then. Yeah, you know, it has worked out pretty well. And I've been kind of amazed at you that, you know, you, you've been able to control yourself pretty well. And um, and the kids also are very kind to accept the advice. And, and they do ask for advice a lot now, be, I think, because you don't give it as much. And there is something to that, too. But Yeah, I think, I think that that's they, right. Some, well, they have really been very good about, thank you very much, Dad, but... No, thank you. I'm not going to do that. And and it's okay. You know, I think you've really been fine with that. I really have. I really have. And it's all this interge- intergenerational communication that really, really matters. And there's a favorite scripture of mine that some listeners will recognize that says, essentially, in the ideal world of families, there are no compulsory means in other words, as as people become adults and there's respect between them, things flow, but things do not come about through compulsory means, and and, and that's how that's how that's how we all want our families to eventually grow, where we can all help each other and blah blah blah. It sounds a little idealistic, and again, let's not present a picture here, Linda, that we just have this lovely celestial reunion and everyone's happy all the time and loves each other and so on. That would actually be kind of boring. <laughs> Absolutely. you got to have, we, our two oldest girls have always had some clashes and they continue to do that at the reunions <laughs> once in a while. And and I remember one of our sons getting really upset because I told him how to do French toast when he's been adult and he'd been doing French toast for 10 years on his own. And so um, it really is, but it's so fun. I mean, we get over it, we realize, you know, who we are, and we realize that that's just going to happen and that's part of the deal. And uh, we just, we hope that you'll think a little bit more seriously about reunion. We know that there are lots of problems in families and we hear it so much it's so sad that parents don't speak to a child or a child is not speaking to a parent or a brother and a sister have had some kind of a falling out and aren't speaking to each other and it is just a sad sad thing but there are ways to work through that and gently and meekly and um I just think it is is so important to give it all you have in order to get your family together at least once a year and um, yeah. and ask them. I mean, I think one of our great breakthroughs also was turning it over to the kids. We just turn it over to one of the kids. So they, a couple now, are in charge every year. And they love that challenge. They take it and come up with something creative every year, and it's a little different every year. And we have no control over it, and we love it. You know, I want to say, too, this one of the things that we, I'm not sure it would work for every family in every situation, but uh, it probably is the highlight almost every year of our reunion when, when on Sunday we go to a little church here in the rural community where we're, we're usually, ha- we, we do our reunions at Bear Lake, uh, and uh, it's just 
been such a tradition. A lot of families, by the way, move them around. My brother goes to different places all the time. We know people that spend the whole year looking for the perfect campsite to do their their reunion and so on. But we have done it in the same place, so we've gotten used to going to this little chapel not too far away. And for part of the meeting, we actually slip out. I'm, I'm sure... I'm sure somebody probably wonders if, you know, we're getting free babysitting. Our kids are in the, the Sunday school, the junior Sunday school, and the adults slip out into the backyard, a beautiful, grassy backyard of this chapel, this church, and there we have a time when everyone, we go around the circle, not around the circle, but people sort of stand or speak as they're, as they're moved or as they're inclined, and they just sort of review their feelings and the year and uh, what they feel strongly about and so on. And uh, some would call it a testimony meeting. Others would call it a feeling session. But it's a, it's a wonderful time. I end up going away from there feeling like I know everyone considerably better than I than I did before. So just got well, a couple minutes you- left. Linda, you get the final word. Okay, I, I thought you were going to say the favorite part of the family reunion is um, we do have a bonfire, and we sit around, and everybody has sent in their favorite song from that year, and whoever's in charge has to put it on a CD. Now, this world of this wildness of the Internet is so amazing. There's so many cool things you can do. So everybody just sends their favorite song to whoever's in charge, and they put it on a CD, and then we sit around and guess whose song that is. And now we're starting to do with a kid's kid's CD, too, because the kids wanted to be in on it. We have some teenagers who love that, and also some four-year-olds that love that. So it really is a fun thing to do, because then we each get a CD, and we put it in our car and play it all year, and we kind of think of each other as we're listening to that music. Absolutely. Well, listen, you parents out there, we have a theory, and it goes like this. Whatever differences we may have, our similarities in being parents more than make up from any other ways which we may be different. And so we feel a commonality with all of you. We're glad for those of you that come back and listen week after week. We're tickled that uh, BYU Radio now runs this program every weekday at 4.30. So if you miss it one day, you can get it the next day. Tell your friends. We can kind of make this a little on-the-radio community where we just have a good old time and uh, talk about kids and maybe recharge recharge our parenting batteries. So we'll be talking again soon. Thanks for listening in. Have a great week. 